Hi, welcome back to Yin and Young, the podcast. This is James, uh, aka Young, and uh, that's my voice. Go ahead, Dan. This is Dan, aka Yin. I'm a, and uh, go ahead, guys. I'm Alex Chu. I'm a writer director. Uh, my name is Tiger. I'm a host. I'm an actor and general no good Nick who repeats his jokes. That's that's who I am. Awesome, cool, and uh, so thank you for coming. Well, yeah. thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, we'll. Basically, we talk for about an hour and a half or so, and um, but first off, if you want to throw, throw me that guitar, Tiger. Yeah. You're... Am I actually going to throw it at you? Or no, 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 you can hand it to me. Yeah, yeah. So, Alex, you, you're one of your parents is a music teacher, is that correct? Yes. Oh, cool. You want to play a little guitar for us? Um, sure. All right. <laughs> you did and, your research. And then, uh, you do that, and I got this. If you have a triangle, I can play that. Can do like finger tapping, I guess, maybe. <laughs> uh, so what, what kind of music do they teach? Um, classical. Classical, right. Do you play any classical with like Asians or like the Qing or anything like that? Or... <laughs> no, I don't play any classical instruments. Do you need some... Uh... So we 
It's good. It's uh, a little, a little cooler today than before. Okay. Not mu- not much, but yeah. you know, um, it's definitely a little cooler where I am. Where you're at, you're west in the side. west side. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiger, how was your trip here? Yeah, everything good. Uh, yeah. I mean, today was a little. Uh, I think typical LA, right? You feel like you did a lot but got nothing accomplished. I just, I had a lot of driving today. I had to go, uh, I had to go all the way to Bellflower uh, oh, wow. for a thing, oh, and shit. then came back. Just traffic was murder, and then. Uh, got back here and now I'm here with you lovely guys. So. Oh, thanks for making it here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Alex, are you from, um, you're not from LA originally, are, are you No, from this is, um, but I, I, this is like, this as of this month, it's like my 10 year anniversary. Nice. One decade uh, in. Yeah, one decade in, so I guess I could consider myself a Angelina. local. Yeah. Should I? I don't, I don't think know. it's like, based I think on it's time. I think it's based on how much kale you eat yeah. a day. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's been a while, So, but I'm originally from Canada. Oh. Um, yeah. But I spent most of my most of my adult life here in the what, what in these states, Vancouver. Oh, okay. Mostly Vancouver, yeah. But you grew up in Libya too. Like, what's that yeah. about? Yeah, um, yeah. So my folks, my dad was uh, uh, was an oil. So he was an oil mm, man. So yeah, so that's where uh, they spent. I want to say twelve years there, and so I was there for a little bit, then got sent back to North America for school mm. when I got a little older. But yeah. Okay. I, I was I was really young when I was when I and was there. Did you yeah, ever yeah. pick up the language there or no? Not really? No. Okay. I mean, I, it's one of those things like I kind of regret because it's like, you know, uh, you know, it's just you, you want to learn like you had the opportunity to learn it at that time, you know, in a place where they speak it, and then you know, I just never paid attention in class or whatever because they they did actually force us to take Arabic classes, and to this day, I like was there for about three and a half years uh, for school and. I don't remember a thing. Like, I it's weird. Really it's like, it's, it, I'm, all, I'm really ashamed about it because it's like... Yeah, you shouldn't be. I mean, I went to Chinese school, but I had to relearn that language yeah, as an yeah. adult. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, yeah. Oh, no, I'm just saying, it's, I think it's just so common because it's like, 
isn't that just the hubris of man, right? Like, you always, like, I'm not to get, like, start off so deep, but it's like, there's so many things when we're younger that you have the time, the ability, and effort, and then, like, you look back, unless at that time, you're like, why? It's a pain. You look back now, and you're like, because just, like, watching you guys play music, I remember as a kid, my parents put me in music class. I can't complain. Like, no matter what our struggles were, we still played music. Like, they, yeah, yeah. We had, like, a baby grand piano in our house, and that's not, you know, common for people to have, but um, I remember... There was a pivotal moment. I was like 12 or 13. I'd been playing piano and getting okay at it. And my, my cousin called me. She's older. She's in college. She's like, hey, like uh, my dad or your dad told us that, uh, you know, you, you're thinking about quitting piano because you want to <laughs> do martial arts more. Because, like, you had a pick, right? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, and that's fine. That's all cool and all. But, like, I just want you to know that, you know, I'm in college right now. And I think she's like a sophomore or freshman. And she's like, and when you become that age where maybe you want to talk to girls or whatever, you're going to really want to wish, like you're going to really want to know how to sing or play oh, piano yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or music or dance. But like when we were growing up, I don't know, music's so much cooler now. It's always cool, but like I think the for Asians doing it, it was stereotypical. Yeah, It felt like such a nerd thing to do. And I was like, and I remember saying to her, she, I, uh, she's like, you should at least play guitar or piano. I was like, no, girls aren't going to want me because of music. Like, And what did I know? I was like 12. I never felt yeah, the warmth yeah, of a yeah. woman, you know? Oh, God. She was like, no, I'm telling you, like, please just listen to your, your older cousin. She knows what she's like. She, she's really cool. And I was like, look, cousin. Well, I don't want to blast her name here. But I was like, girls are going to like me because of my kung fu, not because of my piano. To this day, there has not been one time I've been like, hey, I know Kung Fu. Like, want to hit this? Well, it never right. worked. Dan, you know Kung Fu. Has it ever helped you get laid? Or Once. get chicks? Once. Liar. Once. Once. Liar. Once. But uh, it was a... I don't know if the girl was just, like, full of it and just, like, said that just just because. You liar. I've never met you, Dan, but I'm going to call you a liar straight <laughs> to your face. Did she? Hold on. Let's. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. What was so? Yeah. What Context. Happened? Context. Um, I met her at. I met her previous prior to a wedding, and then I went, and she was at my friend's wedding, and we were getting together, but I, I should say that she was more interesting. She was like she thought kung fu was cool after we were already starting to get interested in each other. So. After the facts oh, are, after the fact, okay. after the fact. It would be more compelling if you told me, yeah. like, I showed her a sidekick, and then <laughs> boom, it was, no, you lied, <laughs> sir. We're off to a bad start. <laughs> All right, sorry, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's, so you moved around, so you grew, you were born in Canada, uh, Edmonton, or no, Vancouver? Edmonton, yeah. You were born oh, in Edmonton. I was, like, in the Texas of, it's, it's like the Houston of, of Canada. My ca my cousin actually. Calgary's like the Dallas. There's of cowboys there yeah. too, right? Yeah. There's also like, uh, you know what helicopter kids are? Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. my cousin was a helicopter kid, basically. Uh, that basically means like, my my my. His mom is the same generation as me, but she's like thirty years older than me. Yeah, so, yeah. anyways, wait, what? So I oh, would call, oh, I see, I see. so I would call her big sister, but she's like I w she's basically an aunt. Anyways, <clears throat> so my cousin he. He was sent there as a kid, and then without any supervision yeah. in high school. Yeah. yeah. Did you grow up with those kinds of kids, or no? Yeah, I mean, like I, I mean, at that time. Well, um, you were so, sorry. Uh, yeah. You were born in Edmonton, but then you moved to Libya, or yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I moved around a lot. How old were you around this time? In Libya, um, that was from first, no, second grade to sixth grade. Oh, so okay. I don't know what that. I don't know what that age was, but like right, it was. Right. It was around that time. Yeah. Um, but at that time, like in Canada, like especially where I was in Edmonton, and, um, it was like a different time. It was like I was the only, as far as I remember, like the only Asian kid or the only non-white kid 
really class. yeah mm-hmm. i mean okay. it's changed a lot since right like just like texas like any major city like houston or dallas, this dallas um, guy here. okay yeah no. where it's you know it's changed probably in the last 10 20 years but back in the 80s early 80s when i was growing up there it was like really um yeah i, mm. I was like literally the only non-white kid probably in the entire city. <laughs> uh, this is when you came from Libya back to Vancouver or? No, this is actually while, before I moved to Libya. And then when I came back, um, then we moved around different parts of Alberta oh, okay. as well. Um, and yeah, even back then in the 80s, it was it was definitely a different time. Mm. Dan also grew up in the 80s. Sorry, oh, yeah. to, sorry to throw, you know. Well, no, you're every, you've told our age already, but yeah. Because Dan, you grew up in San Diego, right? So they, we, we talked yeah. about this. It's similar, right? You had a lot... A lot of the Viets came. Uh, the, the Vietnamese came in later, right? Well, no, the Vietnamese were already there. It's just that um, there were no second generation Asian kids until I hit high school. Mm, is that yeah, the, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, I mean, I it was it's interesting because you know people in my generation like uh, that I met later on in college and and later that grew up in Southern California. Yeah, yeah. In like Arcadia, they had they have a different experience because you know people who grew up in southern california even in the 80s and early 90s already were surrounded by a lot of asian kids you know and so like for them they don't have necessarily the same kind of um identity hang-ups or whatever (laughs) like you know what i mean like they didn't have to deal with those kind of issues because they've been they they were surrounded by people like them Uh second generation asian american kids whereas like for myself and i've met other people who also like myself who like grew up in like suburban indiana around that time or like okay. you know and we there oh, is you were in suburban indiana we're just like yeah you know people just other asian americans that i've okay, met that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. were that grew up in sort of a similar environment for example yeah yeah we had we definitely had i think a, a different uh background or different kind of upbringing uh, mentality view the lens of the world compared to somebody who like grew up in chinatown new york or grew up in Arcadia, you know. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think that's because, yeah. like, we talked about this before. Like, I think maybe last time we were here. Mm-hmm. Like, so you grew up south or north? I'm sorry, uh, the northern Bay, California. Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to scoot in? Sorry, oh, sorry, I'm getting. Get, get I might, you know here. what? I might just have to sit yeah. there, and make it comfy I mean, with y'all. Yeah. Like, he's scooting back, but like, yeah. um, right. it's funny because when you say this about Canada, I guess maybe in modern times, every t- time I meet Asian people, especially from Canada. They're like, Vancouver's full of Asians. You oh, know? yeah, I know. Vancouver was definitely yeah. very different. Even, I guess now. Even, yeah, and even back then, when I was, like, in the 80s, it was already starting to become... It wasn't, like, what it is now, but it was definitely... I mean, that's where the majority of Asian immigrants ended up, was either yeah. Vancouver or, and to some extent, Toronto. But now it's obviously, like, you know, Vancouver's majority Asian. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the most <laughs> trippy, kind of damn, like, city. I don't know if you went through this, but through Kung Fu, that's kind of why I always felt like Vancouver had a lot of Asians, because they had, like, such a strong... Kung Fu, like if you go to tournaments, there would always be a team from Canada. Oh really? And fucking can- oh, can I can I curse on this? Yeah, right. yeah, you curse. <laughs> fucking Canucks, <last> <laughs> like would come and steal or take our jobs. But like growing up in Dallas, it's the same thing. And now Dallas is much different. Oh yeah, day. now it's very diverse. Right? Yeah, now it's like people from all over the world. And but like, like even here in da- uh, in LA, I I still I don't know if you still go through this, but like there are moments. I mean, you've been here a lot longer than I have, but like there's moments where I catch myself because it's like. It's normal, but it's not. Like, I'll, like if I go to Little Tokyo yeah. or like Arcadia, yeah. I'm like, I was just there, Little Tokyo. we're taking over. Yeah. And I'm like, when I was growing up, it's like, you know, I still look over my shoulder sometimes. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, I've, I mean, I've been, a, I've been here long enough, and I think um, my folks have moved to Vancouver when I was an adult. But you mm-hmm. know, I've been back quite, and I lived there for four years uh, prior to LA, and so I think I've been around that, been in a place where you know majority Asian or around a lot of other Asians that I got kind of got used to it I think I mean it's also like I think for me personally like 
I mean, I spent some time in Hong Kong as well mm. and, oh, and wow. Singapore. Like I lived there, um, and I think that really helped. You know, where like you're you're going you're going to a part of the, the world majority. where you're kind of the majority, but you're on the surface, but you're not. Like it, it's like you kind of feel like oh, there's a kinship because everybody kind of look. We all you know yeah. we all look we all look similar, and also not just similar, but they also they're Chinese and they speak right. a similar language and whatnot. But speak then Mandarin. I speak Mandarin. 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 Okay. Yeah, and so like you could you know they. They you kind of speak. They speak the language that my parents speak, and then I think it was about a couple months in. Like you don't really notice. At least for me, I didn't notice it in the first couple months because you know you're kind of like a tourist and newcomer. But it's only like once you go beneath the surface that you realize, wait, that's just surface level. Like underneath, I'm really different right, than yeah. the people who actually grew up in Hong Kong or in you know in Asia, right? And you just there's certain things that very subtle things that just kind of creep up on you and that you don't really realize. Um, and even just little things like at that time, uh, just things I kind of took for granted, like watching the World Series. Like they're like, oh, I don't watch, you know, I don't watch baseball. And you're like, what? <laughs> Andy Lau's not involved, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Or like, you know, I, I, like um, I didn't realize how much, like I didn't think I was much of a football fan, but then Monday Night Football was always like, just it's just, it's just yeah. something like that was always in the background somehow that you kind of took for granted. And then when I lived there, it's like, you don't have that same, like, well, what's happening? Monday night? No, there's no money net. Well, what's going on? And you just feel kind of like a little yeah. off. And then you, when you talk to people about it, they're like, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking right. about. What are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. Or that you start using like football sort of analogies or whatever, like just off the cuff. And they just kind of look at you confused going, well, what's what that? are yards? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you mean by field goal? Like, oh, and then you try to explain it. And then the more you explain it, the more it just becomes more. And you're like, okay, you know, forget it. You mean it. soft? You yeah. mean yeah. football? And, and then, the, yeah, the and then, and then you realize that, oh, wait, that the sport is just, you just can't explain it. It's like cricket to us, right? It's like somebody tries to be like, I, I don't right. get it. <laughs> it's That's like, so interesting because, like, like, you know, James, when we talked about it, like, we talked about how when you went to Taiwan that one time. Yeah. Or not that one time, but when you were there for I lived there for two years, yeah. yeah. Like, you kind of felt like you fit in, right? I felt like I fit in, um, but I, I would agree that there's particular situations i was in a relationship with a taiwanese girl too mm. so then you know when we would argue one of her comebacks at me was like oh my god you like it's like you're you don't understand you're just american or something like that you know she would pull that kind of card on Jeez. me you know um was it your struggles with the metric system <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, sorry, sorry. it's like damn it james yeah. did you nail this poster yeah. on the correct um what i'm curious alex is uh just a brief timeline yeah. of your where you lived like growing up so edmonton born you stay there then libya yeah, yeah so basically like i was in edmonton i was born there um yeah. and then i started school in calgary because my dad okay. i mean it's i'll think of alberta as like the texas of the north it's like oil country it's basically almost exactly like texas you know it's okay cowboys oil country music and conservatives it's <laughs> like that's really what it is. But if you guys have Bret Hart, we have Shawn Michaels. Yeah, exactly. yeah. No, oh, I mean that's that's, kind of, that's, that's, got, that's what it is. HBK, like it's, baby. Yeah, and it's it's really analogous. And so like um so we moved you know we moved around a lot because of my dad's job. Uh -huh. And then and then that's how he got we went to Libya because of the oil, you know, it was like the early 80s was like the oil crisis, I believe. I can't okay. remember. There's something going on in the early 80s. And then so my my parents moved out there and then with me and then they stayed out there for 12 years, and then they shipped us back to Canada for school, uh, to, oh. to go to boarding school. And so I spent most of my childhood after Libya, back in mostly Edmonton, actually, okay. uh, for, for school. And then went to college in Canada, in the East Coast. Yep. 
um, and then moved to uh, New York Coast. for a bit. Yeah. Oh, so you you speak French a little bit, or no? Oh, I, okay. That's the other embarrassing thing. Speak, you know, back to the whole Arabic thing. It's like <laughs> in Canada, in Western Canada, we're you know part of the Canadian school system. You just, you have to learn French right, in school. Right. But because we lived in Western Canada, nobody spoke French outside of oh. the class. So like yeah. I literally spent, other than the three years in Libya, so like nine years, eight nine years learning French in class and I still can't, I can barely speak it. Oh my like, God, yeah. It's I, embarrassing. So no, like no, to the yeah, point yeah. like I can read it because you know, you spend so much time in school, like you know the grammar, you know the vocabulary. So if somebody gives me a text in French, oui. I can kind of figure it out. But when you speak it like in real time, like, eh, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like my Spanish as bad as it is, is better than my French. Wow. How many languages do you and, speak? Um, I mean, realistically, English and Mandarin. Hey, it's still like, pretty hey, good. Hey, I, don't, hey. I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't consider Spanish even a language that I can speak. Like, okay. you know, but you know, it's just like, so yeah. I, I, I didn't really. Lear, I learned French, but never learned how to speak it. Um, and then went to college in the East Coast. Then moved to uh, worked in banking for a bit. So I spent some time in New York, and then they shipped me off to Hong Kong and Singapore. Oh wow! For a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, long yeah. were you living in Asia for? And this Three is years, not, so this is after college. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like this is your about adult two life, and a half. Your twenties and your thirties. Twenties, yeah, early twenties. Okay. So like I was there. I was there for the Hong Kong Hanover ninety seven. Oh, cool. So I was there from oh, ninety seven wow. to ninety nine. Yeah. So Guangdong Hua, you can speak Cantonese. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where's the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. So I was there for the handover, and uh, and yeah, I mean that was an ex that was that was a pivotal time. I thought it was. Uh, yeah, Hong Kong is just such a fun city, you know. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. So this should probably um, pre takeover, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Not but, that it's not anymore. But no, but the thing yeah, is, yeah. is, it's interesting because the what's Bruce happened show. was like, yeah, in the the handover at that time, there was a lot of. Even leading up, like years, that's where Vancouver became so Chinese because, like, from the early '90s, like all these Cantonese people moved, you know, oh. got a second residence in Canada just in case because nobody oh. knew. Nobody knew what was. That's why Vancouver has some of the best Chinese restaurants because all it the, does. the yeah. top yeah. Hong Kong chefs ended up opening restaurants mm, and I had residence. Yeah. yeah, and so like because there were there were a lot they were worried about what was going to happen once China took over, and. Uh, it was interesting because all their fears did not come true overnight, but it's happening now as we speak. You know, so so it took about twenty years yeah. for it to happen. But like all the things they were worried about, it's like oh, right after ninety seven, you know, it's going to be like horrible. China's going to take over, and that that actually didn't happen. What happened was when the ninety seven I was there, it was like a big. Uh, like a New Year celebration, like people were just, yeah. you know, like it, it was 1997 glasses. I remember those. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just, a, it was like a New Year's, it was like a New Year's celebration, pretty much. And then the next morning, everybody's like, okay, what's gonna happen? And I guess nothing. It was just the same, like Have you every seen day. It? And then, like, yeah. yeah. And then over time, like everybody just thought, okay, I guess nothing's gonna change. Of course, like a frog right. boiling in, in a boiling water, it's, it takes time. There was the umbrella movement. Um, yeah. A couple years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's also. Yeah, it reminds me of like that scene in Infernal Affairs, I think two or three, where it's like there's the handover and everyone's celebrating. Yeah, yeah. It's like the prequel to the first one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I, that's when you know, like, I was like, I feel so uneducated because it's like that reminds me of when in Rush Hour they have it. I was like, you guys are talking about Infernal Affairs. I'm yeah. like, oh, the Departed. That's great. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, dude, Rush Hour is pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I was there for a bit, and then uh, and then came back to the state. Uh, came back to the states, went to school, went back to grad school, 
for and film then, or no business oh uh, this is MBA? way before yeah this is way before oh, you, creative yeah, stuff yeah you have an MBA too right um, yeah. 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 You guys yeah. are NBA bros. Yeah. How's, yeah. how's your kung fu? That's... Uh, yeah. How's your kung fu though? Oh, I, I, I'm, I couldn't do anything to save my life. I'm like the worst. I, oh my I God. learned. I think I learned like a year of taekwondo when I was a kid, and that's about it. That's my. That's the extent of my martial right, arts. Dan, okay. you got him on that uh, for now. Well, I mean, you're short. Like what? Fortune cookie magic. That guy was like doing some crazy moves though. Yeah. yeah. That was. So that was. Yeah. That was just like. Um. That was our our stunt coordinator. He's the, okay. the zombie guy. Uh, Mark. If you need a stunt guy, yeah. you know, look at this. Well, guy. It was, it was just some guy. It was. Uh. It was the, the 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 white guy who played the zombie. It was Martin DeBoer. So he's. Uh, I was like, oh, did he put a tr- he threw a triangle on that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. He was, and he's actually he's a working stunt guy now so he was just at that time just barely out of acting school and was starting to get his feet wet in stunts oh, okay and so we got him at the right time and uh and yeah that was great I mean, we just like we just kind of sat down and like mapped out like he was basically asking me you know what what my vision was for what kind of the what the fight would look like and right. what, what kind of styles and we just went through like films we liked things we like to see and and also based on the actors that we had, you know, what their martial arts experience was. Mm. And so, um, and I, maybe I didn't watch enough films, but at that time I, felt, I thought like, well, there wasn't a lot of martial arts that, you know, involved more grappling, like more floor work. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. You know, like that kind of the MMA stuff. Well, there isn't, and there still isn't. You know? Yeah. No, and so, I mean, like, there was Flashpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was, that was the, that's a pivotal yeah. film. Yes. That yeah. was the reference. Now the John Wicks, you know. Yes. Oh, John Wick. John yeah. Wick, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at that time, it was like that Donnie Young film. But when, yeah, when, was yeah. this, when was the show? I'm sorry, I haven't seen the show. When was the show? 2011. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, Flashpoint was, what, 2010? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. Was, that was our reference point for, like, okay, this is kind of the, the style that we want because, you know, we don't have Bruce Lee, so we can't do it just a wide shot and, like, you know, just have them stand there because, like, they're not, you know, as, as much as they have some martial arts experience, they're not... You know, when well, so uh, much of it comes level. out to the shooting of it and the editing of it, there's yeah. like so and many so, levels. Yeah, to and it. so like you know, and we we just thought visually like it would look more interesting if we shot if we did some floor work because it's something you don't normally see yeah. and it's it just be would be potentially more fun to shoot or more interesting to shoot. You have more ways to cover it in a way that with a traditional martial arts scene, you know, it just depends on what you have, right? It's either like right. a, you could either do it the ext- you know on one extreme is the Kill Bill way, which is like everything's in close up because you know, Uma Thurman doesn't have a, you know, martial arts background, mm. you know, and you're trying to cu- cover around her. Or you go the Bruce Lee route, which is like, you're not cutting around me. You're, st- you're staying yeah. on that wide shot because I want everybody to know that this is real. Like, this, like, is, this yeah. is, I'm that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, that yeah. good, right? And I'm, and I'm that fast. You know, you're not cutting, you're not cheating. And Jackie so, like, Chan has something similar. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, like, we're like, okay, we're, we're somewhere in the middle, but then how do we do it in a way that's kind of somewhat interesting or some or just something that's kind of fun and fun to do? And so then Martin uh, came up with that, you know, with some choreo that we kind of worked with. And, and yeah, I mean, that was – I would love to do more of that because that was a ton of fun to shoot. And it was, like, that short we did it in, three like, three days. Okay. And so we, we saved that fight sequence for the third day. <laughs> and the thing was you could you could feel the anticipation in the crew because yeah. like the first two days it was just like a regular shoot everybody's bubble but then you could feel at the very end of the second day it's like day three is the fight you can feel the crew like kind of like it's almost like kids with toys again like oh we, uh, we want to see the fight yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. so like you know and, the, and on the third day 
like the crew they were there just like extra early people were like i've never seen crew so excited like to do something like this because they they probably at that time didn't have a lot of uh experience or uh opportunities to do that kind of stuff so like mm. you know they were just like lightening it up like no tomorrow like just <laughs> trying different rigs and like just just having a ton of fun and when you have that kind of energy from the crew right actors feel it right yeah. you, you can feel when a crew is excited yeah about when it's something. not like just another day at the office like yeah you want to experiment have, exactly when freer. there's when there's a certain set piece that you're doing or something or it's just something that's kind of different and as an actor you can feel it when the crew is kind of like yeah this is kind of like this is really going to be this well, is going to be fun i think to work that builds so much confidence right because like i think from people as an actor right yeah a lot of times people going in and and not to get into some heady discussion about why we do what we do but a lot of people want validation right they yeah, want yeah. like this like feeling of like oh I do something so you like it, and I'm sure the crew has that same feeling of like you know they want to make sure that their work is good for the actors, but nobody wants to step on anybody's toes and they everybody does want to kind of like be able to come up with their own idea and be creative. Yeah. But something about I think fight stuff like some well, especially it's fun, you especially know? when it's like it's not gunplay because gunplay you know gunplay can be technical yeah, issue, but it's just I think there's something very visceral and ch- almost innocent. In a way, like gunplay is not that in a, especially in this time, this yeah. in this type day and yeah, age. But yeah. I think when it comes to hand to hand combat, there's something very innocent about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and sort of it's almost, almost like, like LARPing, honestly, no, on camera. And, yeah, and it's, it's almost kind of like this thing, like as a as a child, like it brings everybody back to being kids again. Like oh, we were just a bunch of kids just play acting, you know, and right. which you don't necessarily have sort of the 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 kind of the sort of the the backdrop of the connotations that you might have with gunplay, which is, you know, obviously much more serious. You know, there's the context of what we're, what's happening in the gun world, control, but also, yeah, yeah gun control, yeah. but also just safety, gun safety too. Whereas with hand-to-hand combat, as long as you have, you know, a choreographer who knows what they're doing and you have a set that's pretty safe, the, you know, they're able to, to, to experiment, you know, the actors are having a ton of fun and the, yeah. the crew is, you know, the crew, everybody's just kind of like just back to being kids again. There's a kind of an innocence to it, I think. Yeah, that. I think there's a, a funny like difference in terms of um, elevating what like the art form or elevating what we're doing is because, you know, when you do like a drama or like even comedy, like comedy is one of those things where when it doesn't hit, it just doesn't hit, right? Yeah, like yeah, no yeah. matter, and you can cut it certain ways or even drama. But I think there's something that's for the actor and the crew that's awesome about action is like I've worked with people where I could tell they didn't have that confidence in throwing a punch or a kick. And, and to be fair, to be fair and frank, right? Like, yeah, maybe they weren't because then it's not yeah. their fault. They weren't like a trained fighter, or a, a stunt person, or whatever. Yeah. And then you also have the same thing with maybe the director. They never shot it, but there's something about like for the actor when they see themselves on camera and then the camera gets it just right where the th- a punch is in yeah. a miss. Like yeah. I look like a badass, yeah, yeah, right? And it's yeah, like it's yeah, a cool yeah. feeling. <laughs> and then same thing with the director or producer, where like they came in and they maybe didn't think that they wanted this, or not that they didn't want it, but they didn't know they needed this content. And all of a sudden, like, dude, I just shot an action thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm a badass. No, and it it's was cool. actually when you bring that up. Now that I think back to that film, like, I think part of why on that day it was so fun to shoot that fight scene was it was a function of our choreographer Martin, who was just amazing. Which was rather than break up, you know, the the the, the inserts into like, okay, we're just going to do one punch and then cut. Okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was more like a dance choreography. Yeah. So it was literally, it's I think choreo. that the entire scene, I think we may have done broken it up into three segments. Okay. So each segment was was quite long, so it felt like a dance. And I think that's kind of what made it fun mm. for the actors and for the crew because it wasn't just kind of like stop and go, stop and go. It's like okay, let's let's start, and then you have the actors going through this entire choreographed sequence that lasts for a long for a, a certain time, as opposed to just 
okay, we're just going to do like one kick or one punch or like... And then cut. And oh, then cut. Yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. is that kind of stop and go can really kill something. It really Whereas kills like, them. There was a fluidity to the choreography and that that I think made it a lot of fun for the actors and for the crew because I mean, like yeah. you could just sit there and roll, okay, let's, let's get this at another angle. And, you know, I remember asking actors, are you guys okay? Do you want to do it? And they're like, yeah, of course we're going to do it again. This is a Throw lot of fun. Throw me into the fucking wall. Yeah, no, they, they just had a lot of fun doing it over and over and over. And we'll we actually have a clip broke... of this uh, in, in the show notes. Yeah, go ahead. And go we ahead. actually yeah. broke one of the wall. Like, we, you know, I we, saw we that, destroyed yeah. the... Uh, Did you the, break the, the fourth wall? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was what it was the, the, plaster, the plaster on the, on the wall, you know, because, you know, they, they, they were just getting too much into it. And it, it, it made it into the final cut of the film, but it was like... Did you have uh, to fix that wall? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, it was just, like, it was just fun. It was just, like, you know, just... We, we went back to being kids, having fun. We were right. in the playground again, you know? Well, and I think and, what's, what's cool with Corey was, like, people forget that, you know, I think anybody really involved in film, and, again, not to be lofty and pretentious, but, like, we're all storytellers at some extent. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, right. Someone who does the scoring of it tells their story through the music. Yeah, yeah. The editor through the... And then people, I think that's kind of what's so... Really, honestly, shitty that stunts doesn't get more credit because it should. Yeah. Movies don't exist without stunts. Yeah. There, I said it right. There's not even a category in the Oscar. There should be. Yeah. But it's like a lot of the people that I know who are stunt guys, co- coordinators, whatever. They tell their story through physicality, fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just something about like violence, and not to make light of it, but it does something to turn us on. It does. And yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to glorify, it, but there's something about like we were saying, flow is. Filming, I think, is just so stop and start. It's almost like a like a stop motion thing. Yeah. Even if you're doing dialogue, you might have to say it, cut yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can ever really unleash. But when you get that fighting going on, it's just like whoa. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. kind of like as an actor, it's kind of like if you're gonna do a scene, it's like you're actually doing the entire scene as opposed to okay, we're just gonna do the first two lines and then cut exactly. Because yeah. then you just kind of like. Ah. But then if you're allowed to kind of play through the entire scene, there's something fun about that. And I think back to the fight with to the stunt thing. I mean, it is. I mean, it's there is something. Even if it is more confrontational or fighting too. or like it's violent, it's because it's, phys- it's you're using your body. It's yeah. physical. There's something innocent about it as opposed to just taking a gun and blowing somebody away. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, because I mean, that's very reductive. It's just you're basically, it's there's something very inhumane about being destroyed by a machine. Yeah. As opposed to when you see people, um, in hand-to-hand combat or just tumbling or falling or there's something very physical, but also something very childlike. Because it's kind of as kids, that's kind of what at least for me, I'm only, I can only speak for myself. When I was a kid, like that's kind of, when we were on the playground, that's kind of what we defaulted to, is that kind of physical play as opposed mm. to, you know, oh, I'm just gonna throw a nuke and then everything's done. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, you know? yeah. I'm curious. So, like, did you watch a lot of action films growing up? Like, what are some oh yeah, of no, the eighties. Yeah, I mean, I grew, I'm a I'm a child of the eighties. So okay. Like, okay. You know, um, I, I could tell by the the the, uh, the hyper colors here. <laughs> yes. Is that a purple? Yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, pants. the only thing missing is like the OP Ocean Pacific. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but like, in the eight, the eight, I was I was very much a child of the eighties, so like I didn't grow up watching like you know arty films or anything like that. That came mm. that came much later. Um, but like I grew up watching a lot of Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger was like the big guy. Oh yeah. Um, Shout out to Arnold. Uh, yeah, I mean Come I watched. Come on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I, I grew up watching. What did I? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think I may have watched that like a. 20, 30 times. I had oh, a wow, VHS yeah. tape. Did you get a lot of short round? We, I think we all did. Yeah. yeah After yeah. watching that, short round. Yeah, yeah, short yeah. round. Yeah. And then, is he still uh, around? What is he doing? Dude, actually, yeah, Jonathan yeah. Daquan, yeah. Little, little known fact, he's actually in Vancouver, or he's in Canada. He is really good at martial arts. He yeah, became yeah, a stunt yeah, coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, he's yeah. really, he yeah. made a movie called uh, uh, Breath on Fire. 
which you have to see because quick synopsis: the movie is about a bunch <laughs> of gangsters who, I shit you not, they uh, they rob like a bank, get a bunch of money, and they make a like a blood pack. Right, whoever dies last becomes yeah, yeah. the owner of the money. Right. Yeah. And the way they settle it is they put the money into a vault. And they get a key. And before getting rid of the key, they put a, a key. Cause I, I forget exactly, like, but more or less is the, one of the, I think, gangsters owns a wax food company. And so they put the key inside an imprint of a wax pizza. And then they cut the pizza into slices and each person takes a slice. So that when you die off, like, then they, whoever went, like, lives and puts the pizza slices together, then gets the imprint of the key and they can make a copy of the key. It is the most convoluted, but, like... <laughs> I yeah, am not, yeah we have yeah, to watch it. It's yeah, amazing. Okay. <laughs> no, but um, like, so I, yeah, eighties. Yeah. Uh, so like, you a John Hughes guy at all, or yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was all the all the eighties stuff. Um, you know, all the popular culture stuff. I was I was as much a, you know, a product of that era as anybody was. You know, um, you and know, is, Back to the Future. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know. So Canada uh, was just eating up. I mean, it still is, but is it just eating up American culture. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, it, it was, you know, I, I grew up in the same movies that I think almost any anybody in the U.S. grew up with. You know, John Hughes, Sixteen Candles, right. Breakfast Club. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, and then the, a lot of the Spielberg movies. Okay. Uh, like Raiders Spielberg. of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, as I said before, Temple of Doom was the other one, right? Um, and... Uh, and yeah, I mean that it was, and then of course a little bit later, the Schwarzenegger movies when I was a little older, I was allowed to watch. Predator, so, like Predator, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Terminator. Yeah. yeah, no yeah. Stallone though, man. No love to, um, to Stallone. Oh yeah, Stallone? no, we, yes. I mean Stallone was a little, I don't want to say before, because like he, he was early '80s. I mean, he did Rambo. What in the early? I want to say late '70s. I, I can't want to remember. say like '70s, '79. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. I mean that was a little bit before my time. So by then, like. Because Rocky was like '77, right? Yeah, Rocky was, I think, even earlier, maybe even earlier than that. But like, yeah. Stallone had um, what was the '80s movie that I remember? Cobra. Cobra, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, '80s was peak Arnie, peak Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, okay. totally. that was that was that was kind of the, the action guy. And um, and yeah, then, was that the same for you? Yeah. Like, yeah, like Total Recall. Yeah, Total Recall. Yeah. All the um, Running Man and Running. I remember oh, Running, running Man. man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that show might be coming out soon. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's all that stuff, and then you know a lot of television as well. Um, you know, so I mean, I, I was I'm, I'm a function of that. I mean, I grew up in that in that era. Did you watch okay. that uh, um, Canadian show? With Rick, what was it? The it's like their version of SNL with Rick Moranis and John. Oh, uh, SCTV. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was around. That was around. Uh, I do remember vaguely that. Um, As an American, I've I've seen that show. I don't get it. I'm, I'm sorry. It seems like a very Canadian thing. No, like. I mean it was it was sketch before. Uh, it was pre. It was in many ways, from what I know, is what SNL kind of became. Like it. Interesting. I mean, okay. also because Lorne Michaels was one of the uh, main guys on SNL on SCTV. Oh, I okay. know he brought that and he brought that concept. Is he to Canadian? Lorne Michaels. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I'm sorry. Do you want because so, it seems like you have to speak to both. Like, oh, no, I'm good. you're, you're good. good there. Yeah, okay, good. All right, as long cool. as the, if the audio is fine, it's fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because you're always you know. Oh no no no. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so that 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 was kind that that was what you know what I grew up with. Okay, um, and then. Uh, I'm curious about like, what do you have fond memories of the your Libya experience? Because that's a those are some formative years, first grade through sixth grade. Yeah, that's some formative years. I mean, yeah. for me at least, I, I remember second grade was when I first 
you know, like when a girl shut me down for the first time. What? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I gave like a valent. Oh. Like, do I How good was your kung fu? <laughs> How good was your kung fu? Maybe that was the issue. It was okay. I was doing karate. At oh, the time. there, there yeah, you go. Yeah, there yeah, you go. <laughs> but like the like, what, what were those years like? You know, being a, 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 a Asian Canadian going to Libya, mm. living there, and then was there a culture shock? Was there any racism, or did you fit it's, in fine? Everyone was great. I don't know. It's actually interesting. I think I had better memories there than I did in Canada as a what? teenager, and I think partly because in Libya at that time, um, I went to both. At first, uh, and it was called it was an international school, but it was mostly Canadians and uh, some Europeans, English language school, and then I went to the British school. And, but both schools were very, very diverse. So like there wasn't a majority of anybody, you know? So I was in class, I remember it like in, in, in international school, like, you know, I would have classmates who were from Yugoslavia, from uh, all over Europe, from Canada, from just kind of everywhere. And you took it for granted. I didn't know at the time as a kid, but at that time it was like, it was like the United Nations, right? And School, all these, okay. Yeah, and all these kids were either like, their parents were like my parents who were in the oil business or they were, uh, they were diplomats. They were part of the uh, consulate. Okay. So, um, so I grew up around a lot of these really internet, like in a very international environment. And so, you kind of took for granted at that time, like how progressive is not the right word because we're kids, but like how international it really was. Diverse, like, I guess. Diverse, yeah. Like that, you, there wasn't a, any kind of dominant group where you didn't feel kind of like this sort of racism, or you didn't feel like you were ostracized because. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody was from a different country, ah. and I really didn't feel that kind of sense of race and ethnicity and minority status until I moved back to Canada, and especially when I moved back to Canada in some, you know, some places where I was like, you know, in a small town, and it was yeah. like, you know, that was the only a, Asian kid, or yeah. yeah, and and that you know, especially at that time in, you know, again, I'm trashing Alberta, but like, Alberta is like to Alberta, yeah. <laughs> it's like at that, it's like Texas. Rural Texas, you know, Not so like a little people, now you're trashing Texas. Yeah, so, shout out but, to Texas, <laughs> but like, you know, especially as kids, right? They, you know, they didn't know any better. So like, if you don't travel a lot, you don't really know a lot. Mm. You know, they they do stupid things, they do shitty things that they don't really necessarily. You're talking uh, about Alberta. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. And uh -huh. so like, um, and then, and so I, I actually have pretty fond memories of growing up in Libya because Great. you know we were, even the weather. I remember weather's kind of like L.A. It's Mediterranean, right? Okay. So it's like. You know, uh, we were right by the beach. Wow. You know, and uh, it was always dry. Uh, you know, um, it was great. Like it was, it was a fun place to live. Can I, okay. At that time. Can, so can I ask? Yeah. Well, like in during that time, that's like prime Gaddafi years, yeah. right? And yeah, yeah. I gotta ask. I mean, that's that's kind of nuts. That like, I just as Americans, and I guess I would imagine Can uh, Canadians too. Yeah. We look at that part of the world as like a dictatorship. But yeah. it's it's interesting here that like you're like oh it was awesome there like would I you mean feel? as a kid yeah, yeah. I mean as a, my parents had obviously had different views of it like yeah. um, I think what happened was it got worse just before he passed just before he got killed like that you know just recently but at that time in the eighties um, you know they were he, he was in a, I mean he was much younger at that time yeah. obviously and they were in a different part of their development as a country and he was trying you know they kicked out the Americans I think in the 70s or something like that mm -hmm. but then they replaced them with Canadians and other expats okay. to run the to run the oil to run the oil industry oh wow um, okay so it was a it was a wealthy it was a wealthy uh, country but not 
sort of fundamentalist like Saudi Arabia. So yeah. it was relatively secular in the sense that like, you know, my mom didn't have to wear a veil or anything like that. She could just Both dress. Both your parents are Taiwanese? Yes. But, okay. And so like, as long, you know, expats could, could dress however the hell they wanted. Yeah. Um, there was even like church, you know, oh. pe- people had churches, like there's a Catholic church. church? Yes, oh, there's a wow. Catholic church and a, um, and a Protestant church as well. In, in Libya, yeah, um, in which is in a Muslim country, a primarily, yeah, Muslim primarily country, Muslim country, but it wasn't. Again, it wasn't Saudi Arabia, or it wasn't that kind of. This is the eighties, right? Yeah, this okay. is the eighties, where it was, it was, it was more secular. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was from what, uh, according to my parents, I mean, it was not a free country, right? So like, you mm. could not exactly go, you know, criticize Gaddafi or like, right. yeah, you know, criticize the government. Yeah, yeah, it was probably. I mean, I would. I'm just I'm guessing, but I'm. It's probably similar. Or not dissimilar to China right now, you know, where it's like, if you don't, as long as you don't criticize the government, it's kind of like, it's you can just do like, what you yeah, want. Yeah, it's just kind of. By the way, I love China. And, uh, <laughs> shout out to yeah, China. Yeah. He's on his own on that one. The red overlords but, come. Um, I'll be here. Um, do you have uh, story time? So like, yeah. uh, you know, like a childhood memory, a fond memory, or not so fond memory. So uh, I'll start with like example. I was in Taiwan when I was uh, like less than one years old, and then like I think when I was there, I was there when I was two and three again. I was there for like extended periods of times. That's yeah. probably why, because I that's probably why I have abandonment issues with my mom, because my grandpa was taking care of me. My mom had to stay in the states and take care of my older brother and sister. Um, but I just remember like. One memory I have of Taiwan is just the humidity. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just like this little baby kid, and I'm just like, oh, it's so hot. And then I, I think my grandma and my grandma came and brought like soybean, soy, the soybean, but it was in the plastic bag. Yeah. <laughs> it's like legit plastic bag, and he put the straw through the top. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I mean, do you have like what kind of imagery or, or uh, yeah, what memories do you have of Libya, I guess, that you still remember? Yeah. So, I mean, quite a bit. I yeah. mean, I think. Um, uh, I mean the one the one memory that sticks out is the scar that I have here, oh. which is like from a, it was a car accident oh. that oh. happened in Libya at that time, July fourth. I remember that. Oh shit! Wow, yes. Independence Day. <laughs> yes, uh, we for were all for, yeah. Americans. for Americans. We're not, not Canadian. But I do yeah. remember it was July fourth. Um, I want to say it was I was in the fourth or fifth grade. I, it was before. It was maybe about a year or two before we actually before I left. But we're on our way to the airport. And um, we were in two different cars. And so, like, um, my mom was, for some reason, I don't know why, my mom was in a car behind us. It was two, it was our family friends that were driving us to the airport. I don't know why they split us so up. So, how old were you again? Uh, I can't remember. It was like grade, fourth, fifth grade, something like that. Fourth or fifth like grade. Like eight okay. or um, nine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I was sitting in the front seat of the front car. And by then, I was wearing glasses full time but for some reason for I don't know why I was not wearing my glasses at that time we got into an accident so from what I what was told to me was somebody basically cut us off suddenly and we smashed into the car and so I was small enough that rather than go straight through the windshield I hit the dashboard and had I been wearing had I worn glasses I'd be blind at least in one oh, eye wow. oh wow oh, yeah and so like yeah. it was the and it was weird because for some strange reason in that day I was not wearing glasses <laughs> and that saved my eyes and I the one image I still remember to this day was um, right at the immediate aftermath the door the front door passenger door opens I wasn't wearing a seatbelt because you know it's the 80s nobody wore seatbelts okay. at that time. <laughs> it was just stupid but 
I remember the look of horror on my mom's face when ah, she saw like all this oh. blood spewing out and everything oh, like that. Was everybody else okay in the in the car? Uh, yeah, it was weird. So like the 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 driver, who was a family friend, he just got bruising on his on his torso. Yeah. My brother lost his tooth because he he was sitting in the back and fell forward and hit his tooth on the uh, on I think on the the handbrake or something. I don't know, oh, like, something like that. But oh, I wow, think I was dude. the most injured. And so uh, what happened was. I, and I was totally conscious, still conscious, but I would just remember like just blood everywhere. And so they, they, my mom and, and the family friends dragged me out of the car and immediately another car stops. You know, my mom and me get into this car and this, this just random civilian, this guy, Libyan guy, just drives us straight to the airport. Oh, just a stranger. With, just a stranger with blood <laughs> all over his car. And... To wow. this day, like my like my mom was saying, like they don't. He never he never asked for money. He just he basically dropped us off and left. Shit. Yeah. You, you it was never just the most. Yeah. Did you go to the hospital or anything, or was it? Did you have to get it? So yeah. So I had, I had basically it was actually not that serious. Luckily, so like it, it basically it just got stitched up, and then I was there overnight, and they let me wow. they let me go the next day. But I do yeah. That was that was the one memory. Wow. That was the one memory. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, and I so learned, some, to, yeah, I and learned to always wear my seatbelt. <laughs> and a Good Samaritan though too. Yeah, no, and that was and yeah. it was that was really kind of I think the Good Samaritan was kind of what stuck out for me because it was like, you know, I, I remember that as a kid because it was like, that's the kind of, that's what it means to be good, right? It's like you know, mm. you, you do something good when nobody's watching and when nobody integrity, like, yeah, yeah, without any kind of nothing in return, nothing right? in return, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Cause I noticed, like, cause I, I I watched some of your videos. And I was like, oh, you yeah, it's prominent. I think probably in like your interview don'ts. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When you were acting in that, I was just like, huh. But it does add to your character because your character is extra creepy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, that and that's yeah, that's just it's just part of the, you know, it just became. That's Alex too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, cool. So then, coming back, going from Libya back to the to Canada, then. I mean, did you have to say bye? Do you still keep in touch with your Libyan? Like, uh, no, I don't remember. Anything. Yeah, they're that was all too young. young. Too yeah, young. Was too young. yeah, my brother, my brother still still does because he's younger okay. than me, and he was there much long. He was there longer than I was. So like, um, and he was there when his I think he was a little older than I was when he was there. Okay. Uh, for when he stayed there longer, so like he still keeps in contact to some of them to this day. Wow. Yeah. Well, would it be safe and to say? Cause, I mean, like with diplomat kids and those kind of schools, especially like oil kids, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of them probably oil grown kids. up to do some pretty insane things as well, right? Like leaders. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> Kim, Kim Jong Un really could have been in your class. No, no, you seriously, no. Like, like um, that was one of the, one of the now, one of the yeah. uh, the the Switzerland. I, I don't know if it's the same school, but I do remember that one of the options for me was to go to a Swiss school that had those kind of kids. And yeah. I don't know if it would have, I mean, Could've I'm a different been. different age than than him, so uh, <laughs> there's no way I don't think we would have overlapped. But um, but yeah, it's that, it was that kind of world. I mean, it was like kind a of LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Like, oh, what's everybody up to? Hey, oh, you're yeah, a dictator, dictator now, or no. Oh, you run a trillion dollar uh, energy company. Like, but it was kind of surreal because we don't like, you know, right around the holiday season, you know, it was just like a nonstop month of almost every night. Like we would be going to these, you know, console parties. Yeah. Like hosted by the different countries, you know, oh, and then wow. you'd see your classmates are, Oh yeah. Who parties know. the hardest? Which country? You, I was a kid. Yugoslavia when it still yeah. existed. <laughs> so probably the uh, Brits, probably the, probably the UK. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as your family, it's, uh, your parents are Taiwanese immigrants that yeah. went to Canada in the sixties, I'm assuming. Seventies. Seventies. So okay. from West Germany, actually. 
Oh, what? Yeah, because my dad was part of the. Uh, he was one of the early guys in the Mingjingdang. Oh, right he, oh, he's in the Mingjingdang, the Democratic. Yeah, so he was one of the, before. It was even that it was like you know they were like, they were the pro democracy movement when uh, Jiang uh, Jingguo was still in. Uh, Jiang Jingguo is Jiang Jie's the. Sons, or yeah, uh, or I think it's okay. Yeah, so, so like, Jiang Kai-shek's son. Yes. Okay, yeah, when yeah. there was still martial law, right? Right. And martial law until the eighties. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, my dad was part of that whole oh, movement. Brain, well, like migration out. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he 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 was he got really involved and then moved to to West Germany with my mom to escape the martial law. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, he was still very actively involved politically, and that's partly why they moved to Canada and why my parents never. They they never visited Taiwan until eighty eight. Wow. Oh, okay. Because right? okay. that's when martial law was lifted. Martial law was lifted. You know, yeah. because people would get disappeared at that time. You know, it was a kind of a weird time. Like my dad didn't he didn't say anything until recently, like about how, you know, it was it was kind of a like he he knew people at that time who never just just disappeared. Because that you was because the White Terror was basically marsh, the, during the martial law period of yeah. Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And so Sorry, they, you have a oh, uh, I really, I'm not trying to make. I was just yeah. gonna say again, mainland China. The views <laughs> and opinions on this side of the couch. I'm an American. Just you know, so, no, I'm just. But no, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. Sorry, yeah, but yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. No, so they were really they were really involved um, in that. Uh, even as a kid, they were they were still involved. Wow. Know? And so. Okay. Um, yeah, and so like it was kind of weird because like growing up, like it was really like I would get caught for stuff, you know, as kids, you know, you get in trouble and stuff like that. And I, I was always I always remember why my parents never really kind of were surprised or they never really reprimanded me seriously. For stealing? Well, just for like little things. Like I was like when I was in boarding school, I was a bit of a troublemaker. So like I got in trouble for like. A giving attitude to the teachers. I got caught with alcohol. I got caught with weed. Yeah, how, how, old, how old are you in boarding school at this point? I was in between ninth and twelfth grade. Oh, okay. So, so high school. I, I don't know ages as you probably no, you're <laughs> I only know by like by which like so like um, but even like for at that time, I mean, this is you know, weed's not a big deal now. But at that time, you know, as a kid, weed was like a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. But even then, like my parents were overseas at that time, and like so I got caught by the school, they were gonna suspend me, and then so I had to make the phone call overseas to my parents, and I remember that phone call, which was, they were, there was just a long pause on the phone, because at first they were panicking, and then I, and they said, well, what was it for? And like, marijuana, and they're like, there was a long pause, and we're like, oh, we thought, you know, we thought it was like cocaine or heroin or something yeah, serious, yeah, yeah. And, and they're just like, <laughs> and they just said, don't get caught the next time, like, what oh. are you stu- like, why are you doing this on campus? Like, and I, it was really surprising for me at that time because I'm like, that completely surprised me. I thought, like, wait, that I would have been disowned. And then it's only years later that I realized that it's really hard to top your parents when they got banned from a country. Like, it, you know, it's... Wow. Yeah. You, know, like, you, you gotta have, you know... I mean, have, they didn't get... They, 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 they self-exiled, I guess. They self Well, I mean, they, they couldn't go back until martial law was ah, if they, you know... Because they're part of the... Their involvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, yeah. they're because of their involvement. So it's kind of like, you can't, it's, you can't top a parent, your parents who get banned from a country. It's like, you gotta, you're, the There's bar's still pretty time. high. <laughs> yeah. right. So, so The quick. bar was pretty high. And so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was, I just found that it was kind of just confusing at the time. So Germany, does your dad speak German? Now? Yes. Wow. Yeah, 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 how long yeah. was he, how long were your he parents He did his German? doctorate there, so I don't know oh, okay, how long, wow. like six years or whatever oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, my dad did his doctorate in, um, in the East Coast, 
um, but like yeah his, he left um, yeah during the martial law period as yeah, well yeah, yeah, yeah him and then is but, your dad like an engineer right? my dad was he he was he did mechanical engineering and then uh, he did civil he did civil engineering undergrad mechanical engineering PhD and then um, and then from there he did he worked in um, the aerospace industry mm-hmm. and then after that he went into uh, civil engineering, so mm-hmm. the, yeah. you know, government work. So it's um, a very Taiwanese, like, very Taiwanese lot, like it's a lot of Taiwanese. That's a immigrant. track, right? No, yeah. yeah like a, there's so many Taiwanese Americans, Taiwanese Canadians that I've met in my life have very similar family stories, you know, where it's like the parents are, you know, they came to North America, you know, as, edu- as you know, these highly educated people, who, right. you know, they were, they're engineers or, you know, um, Scientists or whatnot, right? And uh, you never hear about the Tsodofu guy who yeah. comes over. Like, <laughs> Dude, he's killing in Taiwan. So like, stay there. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to make money with Tsodofu yeah. over in Canada? Nah, dude. Yeah. Well, maybe like, now. Yeah, maybe yeah. now. Yeah. But they say like after the whole martial, you know, because of the whole martial law, right? That and time. that I mean, that's part of like the whole like, like just a quick Taiwanese history. Um, I mean, so basically, uh, the the Guomingdang or the KMT came after came to Taiwan after World War II. Um, and uh, basically, Taiwan at that time was just released from colonial rule of Japan. It was, it was it, I think there was like the Treaty of Cairo or whatever, but basically it it was given back up to, to uh, this is where there's argument about its independence. It was given back to China, or if it was just given up to Yeah, it depends what, what China is defined as. Right, exactly. right. Yes. So anyways, K, the KMT, they considered themselves China. They were kicked out by the communists, uh, by Mao, Mao and the, the Red Guard. They were kicked out, and they established the Republic of China in Taiwan. And then they established martial law, which means basically... Zhang Jiesi, uh, Zhang Kai-shek, who was a general, he ruled the country like a... Yeah, it's like a military dictatorship. Yeah, mictil- yeah. military dictatorship. And um, and then there were some incidents like the 228 incident yeah. uh, where there was, um, vi- there, was a, there was a lady selling cigarettes, older lady selling cigarettes, and she was reprimanded for not having a permit or something like that. I'm not exactly clear on the details. But there was a riot that got started, and that led to the 228 massacre, which was when, uh, I guess, is a pivotal point in in um, the KMT rule, uh, where there was a lot of um, uh, anti KMT sentiment that grew from that incident, in which they uh, they killed people who or disappeared people who were against the KMT government. Yeah. Um, so that led to the White Terror by Sukhumbu period, um, and then from there martial law eventually martial as you said was lifted in 1988 and uh and then there the only so there the the green the, so your dad was a part of the party of ming jingdang before it was the green party before, before it was yeah before right. it was actually considered because you're not supposed to have another party right right, right so right, like right, it was i don't know exactly what it was but he was part of that whole movement and okay. i do remember as a kid like of course as a kid you don't really know anything and so like I just remember even when we were when they they moved back to Canada, or even early, just before we moved to Libya. But even after that, like you know, they'd have all these social occasions, these get-togethers, and I didn't know that there were actually some of them were actually you know uh, party sort quote unquote party organizing events or whatever yeah, political it was. Yeah. political organizing and, events. And uh, at that time, 
you have to be careful because there could be KMT spies. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. My, my 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 dad has this whole you know idea that some of the people that some of some of the people that we had encountered or that were family friends were KMT spies. I'm like, Dad, that's like a conspiracy. Right. But he was like convinced. Oh, but they are. They're they're spies. They're you right. Know, like. Um, and that has led to a very sorry. We're we're we're, we're gonna cir- we're gonna yeah, circle yeah, back yeah, to yeah, Four yeah. Izzy. We're yes. gonna we're gonna get to that movie for sure. Thank you for listening. But uh, this is important, kids. Um, this is uh, no. I mean, that kind of led to the whole crazy um, like the two party system. Uh, yeah. That's um, which now has you know with uh, with uh, Ta Ta Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's now the like I I kind of joked with like. Oh, if Trump gets in the power and Tsai Ing Wen, she's the female leader of Taiwan. She's a part of the uh, progressive party. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I was just like, oh, if she gets in the power, I might move back to Taiwan. <laughs> you know, like, like real talk. I mean, yeah. And um, I, are I, you I, an indigenous person? Are you really my indigenous? Pa- she's actually, Tsai Ing Wen is Paiwan, and my, my dad. Oh, she's part Paiwan? Or she's, yeah, she's, she's part Paiwan. My dad yeah. is also part Paiwan as oh, well. Oh, shit. Oh, so yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. Weissinian or anything? But no, no, like zero. Like oh, my, okay. my mom's Kojiaren. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, okay. And then my dad is like a mongrel of, you know, Chinese and, yeah, yeah. and Aboriginal. Like he doesn't look he doesn't. I'm just look imagining Chinese your dad looking like a Manchurian. Just having like no, a no. Style. He actually, he looks like, um, <laughs> I, next time, next time I'm, I'm seeing, well, I'm gonna, I don't know when next time I'm going to be home, but like. I had I should have taken a picture. There's the, you know, the Nelson Mandela's Long Walk to Freedom, the the mm-hmm. autobiography. Yeah. There's a picture of Nelson Mandela, and I would I put it next to my dad's face, and it looks they they look oh, like shit. in that picture. Oh, it's wow. like oh yeah, my dad's like the, the Asian Mandela. They look very similar in that like they have the high cheekbones. You know, my dad's really dark skin. He doesn't look Chinese at all. Like he looks, he looks Indonesian mm-hmm. or like. Aboriginal, right? And, so. is, and you have a brother, uh, younger brother. You yeah, have a younger yeah, brother. Yeah. How much younger? Or three, three years younger. Okay. Yeah. So it's just you, your brother, and your brother. Yeah. That's okay. It. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, growing up, so I guess right now we're like an hour in. Yeah. I want to get into your filmography. Yeah. Um, so let's let's. I guess I kind of want to just catch up to when you start making films. Yeah. Like, so, so a little bit of biography. Canada, growing up in Canada and college in Canada, how was that experience? Um, it was fine. I mean, I don't. If if there was like, if I were to write something about my my life at that time, it's like there wasn't really anything that interesting. Really, <laughs> I mean, it was not in it, not anything that formative. Like, I, I had huh. a relatively normal uh, college high. Well, high school was boarding school, but like my high school was more like Dead Poet Society. If there was something that was closest to my experiences. The, the Dead Poets Society movie that was about oh really close. yeah oh, cool. other than uniforms and we were co-ed but that whole experience the you know um, but college Boarding school is high school then for you I yeah, guess? yeah. Oh, isn't okay. Robin Williams Canadian as well or is no, that incorrect no, no. Jim Carrey's Jim Carrey's yeah. Yeah. yeah but they um, but yeah college was just like uh, you know I did a hodgepodge of different courses you know in the arts and science program I ended up with an economics degree hey, hey, yeah economics yeah nothing were you a theater kid at all no, like I didn't like the only. My mom was a musician, so I creatively I grew up mostly around music. Right. Um, so I didn't do. As any, you can tell from that yeah. opening, jeez, yeah. <laughs> so like, like, mu- like music fuck? is not. Music is kind of what I what I began with, and to this day, like I think, you know, it's kind of a bit uh, the core part of who I am. Um, okay. And then like, yeah, so college wasn't really anything interesting. It was just like college, like for me at that time. Um, and then. Uh, Would you go to school then? 
Queens. Queens. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then after then, I, I worked in Asia. I was I worked in finance. You were an investment banker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was a completely different life. You know, I was on a different track. Went to went back to business school. Uh, came out of business school and then started doing the creative thing again. And so like that's kind of what the beginning of the whole film thing happened was after school, after business school actually. You really? Because yeah. I, I know like, I know for Ken Jeong, he's he's a uh, medical doctor. doctor. Yeah. He's still a licensed uh, yeah. doctor. Yeah. And uh, I asked him about it, uh, you know, name dropping, sorry. <laughs> I, I, you know, we worked on a, uh, an indie film before and I asked him about like, yeah, how, you know, like, were you, like, did you always want to do acting? He's like, yeah, you know, he always had that passion, you know. Um, but there, maybe even if it's unspoken, there is that pressure from. And he's an older generation than yeah, us, so yeah, yeah. And uh, and he did feel like I, and I think for myself personally, like I I came to head with my parents about I started acting in like high school, you know. Yeah. And um, did my parents come? I think I forced them to come to one of them, you know. <laughs> and, and Tiger, we talked about this. Like they didn't go to your play, really. I guess or. So like, did did you like this investment banker path? Was there pressure from your parents to pursue no, that? No, actually, that's you, the irony of it all. That's the irony. Of they it. they did not pressure me at all. Wow. Um, they actually were very concerned about me at that time because I was just incredibly unhealthy, and I was working incredibly because I was saying, oh, this is the model minority, you know, you know, that well, kind of like finance. So, like, yeah, and the finance thing. I think a lot of that pressure actually was peer pressure from other just being at a university program that you know I was around a bunch of other econ business students and everything. Like, oh, I got to get into McKinsey. Got to get into Goldman Sachs. Got to do you know like all that kind of crap, and like. And so, like, it was more a function of peer pressure from the people I was around because the the college I went to wasn't a particularly like, you know, theater thing or a, mm -hmm. it was very much like, you know, you go there to get the Goldman Sachs job, you go there to get the the high paying job out of out of college, and so that was kind of where the pressure came from for me. And you know, as a, as a, at that time, that's I didn't know any better, mm. and. Uh, and so when I was in investment banking, it was the first time my, my dad, I remember this, my dad and my mom, when I would call them, they would say, they would actually say, you know, you should, you should work less. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, that kind of threw me for a loop because that's the, the last thing you would ever think an Asian parent would say. But then <laughs> when your Asian parents are saying, you know what, you're working too hard, yeah, then you're yeah. going, huh. That's actually not a, that's, that's actually a word, that's not a good sign. And, um, and then of course, you know, I didn't really know what I was wanted to do. Cause you know, you're in that, in that sort of track where you're like, okay, this is all I know. This is, you know, I'm around a bunch of other finance people, whatever. Yeah. So I go back to business school because that's what everybody's supposed to do coming out of finance. Okay. And then after business school, I moved to San Francisco and th this is where the kind of the creative thing started happening again, because, you know, um, I started getting back into music. Great. Okay. Uh, I was working at an animation studio thinking, of course, at that time, oh, I'm going to cut it down the middle. I could be both creative and business by being on the entertainment side, but then working on the business side makes sense without realizing that I really didn't want to be on the business side. That's kind of like wanting to be the, the player on the on the court yeah. when you're up there doing analytics. You know what okay. I mean? Like, <laughs> like you're not even the coach. You're the, you're the, the guy upstairs doing all the... You you're know, not even you're, at the game. No, yeah. you're in the film room. You're stuck yeah. in the film room in a locker somewhere when you really want to be on the court. And, like, and, and I realized very quickly that there was a huge disconnect. And then I was doing more music outside of work because at that time, you know, there's a lot... It was, you know, that the hours were, were pretty good. And then... Um, 
I was talking to one of the sound guys at our studio and I was saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble with stagecraft. Like I haven't performed in a long time. And he goes, why don't you take an acting class? You know, at the ACT, you know? Oh, ACT, yeah, yeah. yeah. In San Francisco, like at the- One of the, our previous guests, George Q. Nguyen, was, we went to ACT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like, yeah, a lot of, you know, Annette Benning went there, blah, blah, blah. Like obviously right, MFA program. Banks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, you, you can just take the LMA classes there. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, why not? So I, I searched on, you know, went there and um, I think within, it wasn't an overnight thing, but I think after a couple classes and after a few courses, I realized, wait, this is actually kind of like, something connected to it in a way that I've never connected. You know, I did plays as a kid, you know, in drama class. Oh, you but, did? Okay. But nothing like, I didn't really connect to it as a kid. Like, I didn't connect oh. to acting in any, other than, oh, it's just something to do, just like, you know, playing basketball in in gym class, or it was just one unit of activity as a kid that was just another You, you didn't mark. go full Meisner at like six No. Yeah. But you know how, you know, yeah, how no, some, some, you know some people like, that they fell in love with theater when yeah, I was a kid. For me, it was like, yeah. yeah, for me, it was like, it was just another thing. And it wasn't until I was an adult when I was in that, in your late acting 20s class. now or yeah, mid 20s mid late 20s, okay. 20s and i was just like wow this is actually this is actually really like i connected to it in a way i couldn't really quite explain and then um and then in san francisco i mean i had a bit of a crisis of you know just i was going through a pretty rough time personally at that time and then just kind of well, decided, was, was there a significant other involved in that program? no it oh, was yeah. it was kind of more like i just realized at that time uh that i what i would the, the life I was trying to, to lead was not what I, you know, I, I was working an office job. I'm like, this is, even though it's animation, even though it seems like a cool job, it's like, if this is as good as it gets and I'm still miserable and I'm still feeling really depressed and I need to get out because it's it's not, it's going to get only going to get worse. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And like, and I realized that, and I said, just, well, if I'm going to make the break, I have to make, I have to make that break clean now, cut. clean okay. cut now, but sooner than later. And that's what I did, and I moved up to Vancouver, um, back up to Vancouver where my parents were, and just kind of, you know, started from zero again. You know, and Vancouver oh, wow. happened to have it's like almost a full circle. It's yeah, different. and Vancouver happened to have like a, you know, film and TV, you know. Yeah, and like they, they're they blowing were, up. Yeah, still. and it was yeah. Just, yeah, and even back then it was still it was already uh, pretty active, and so like I was lucky to have family, both my parents, my brother, extended family were all in Vancouver. Yeah, have a support system there. And they were okay with that. Yeah. So starting yeah, from yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You guys are all very like tight yeah. and very close. Yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, they were really cool with that. I think partly, um, I mean, they're, I, I feel lucky that I have parents that are, that are like that, you know, that are very kind of a little off the beaten track. <laughs> you know? I'm, not, I'm not trying and, to make light, but they seem pretty badass. Like, well, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, like, they're, they're, not, they're not into the whole model minority yeah. stuff or anything like that. And I think they really did... Um, I think you my, smoke weed, they let yeah. you kick ass. <laughs> they're they're rebels know, already. Tell you I not mean, to work yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and then like and so like they were actually you know genuinely supportive. Good, um, good. And I think my dad was a little bit more worried than my mom. Okay. For good reason. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I just started from zero and I just went back up there. Took you know gone to act like at every actor, headshots, acting classes, tried to get an agent. You know, worked to hope you know whatever I can, you know, audition for what I can get, um, did extra work just for side money. Were you on Degrassi? I wasn't on Degrassi. Oh, I was on, uh, I was on, I was on, I was on the, uh, the, some of the early superhero films. So like the Fantastic oh. Four and all that. When they oh, made the, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Um, you were uh, yin and, y you were yin and yang in, uh, what was that, Expendables, right? Oh yeah, so the Expend, <laughs> that came later. That was actually, um, that was here in LA. So like, uh, I'm surprised they actually revealed that. Um, but I was like, 
why this sounds like our podcast a little bit wait yeah. Expendables no. 1 Expendables no one? so so you may know this with voiceover so like when you do voice mashing for people oh, okay. um, they're technically not I don't know like they don't necessarily reveal who does the voice matching so like for the Expendables I was doing voice mashing for Jet Li Oh, and so like, so you do know kung fu a little bit, so because you know they, they find it's probably cheap. It's cheaper to to bring in a voiceover actor to do some of the ADR than the actual actor. Yeah, and also uh, availability, right? Because by the time they're in post, the actor's like overseas or he's on another project. She or he's another project. So it's easier just to bring an actor who could basically sound like the actor to do some of the ADR. And so oh, like, wow. I mean, there's a whole. Track, yeah. a voiceover track on that, right? As you know, like that, yeah. that, that where you're doing a lot of that. So, I mean, just for you guys out there, like that in your movie in movies, magic. yeah, movie, movie magic. magic yeah. What you hear on screen may not actually be the actor; actually, might uh, be somebody else, yeah. you know, replacing the lines. Um, what was he does? But what was your favorite Jet Li line that you had to do? Like, was there some? I can't remember anymore. There wasn't I, it was that. Like, the... I was. I had to cram. Like, I can't remember. I just they just gave me like a whole bunch of reference. You know things, and then I just had to cram. Like I don't know how much they used because you just—it's supposed to be seamless to a point where yeah. you're not. It's supposed, supposed to, to be know. him saying it, like yeah. English, so you're not, yeah. so I, even but is it English or is it's, it's English? It's English. Yeah, 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 speak yeah. Chinese. I don't remember that. No. Yeah. yeah. So like it's um. So they, I mean they do that for a lot of actors yeah. actually, and it, it's not even just foreign actors. They do it for you know. Oh wow! Because it's cheaper to hire. Well, especially if yeah, you're, if yeah. you've got ADR, and of course if if you've got a lot of lines to replace, yeah, it's probably worth bringing that the actual actor in. Like yeah. if it's like Meryl Streep, and like you know what, we need to replace all these exterior shots because the sound sucked or like whatever. Wow. It's, it's worth bringing Meryl Streep in to actually do her own voice. But if it's like one line or like a syllable or in the a case word that was missed, okay. yeah. you know, or something, oh, we, we didn't catch that word, the, the, the P is off, like the, he didn't say the P properly or whatever, uh-huh. you know, like it, it, the, it wasn't clear enough, then it's cheaper to actually just have an actor <laughs> who sounds like them to actually replace if it's just a yeah, yeah. word or, or a line of dialogue that is that is really easy to do. Or if it's like, or if it's a bunch of lines or a bunch of phrases but scattered throughout the the film or yeah. the video game, yeah. it's easier just to bring in that. And even video, I mean, to be this is uh, video this, game magic. Yeah. Well, video game. I mean, a lot of a lot of times in video games for like um, uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here because again I'm speculating, but um, you know franchise films like the Star Wars films or the Marvel films. Yeah. You know that you think are the actors actually that are that are playing those characters on screen are doing the, the voiceover. They're not doing the voiceovers yeah. for those video it's games. People Sound playing lines. those actors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might not be Mark Hamill doing Luke Skywalker on the Star Wars game, but yeah. somebody who sounds like Mark Just Hamill. Like Mark. Yeah. You know, um, and you're not supposed to know that. You're not right. supposed to well, like. It's supposed to be seamless in a way that you're not supposed to notice. Well, that. one of our previous guests, Fyodor Chin, he's a big. He's he's an Overwatch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he he, he does. But he's not playing an actor. Uh, he's not playing like a famous person. He's he just plays. He plays a character. Yeah. Uh, Dan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, to, we're taking over here. But like, uh, do you have any questions or anything you want to you want to segue into? I don't want to like break the rhythm. It just seems like everything's going progressing pretty okay, well. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So you. So okay. So. So yeah. You're, you're, through, yeah. Yeah. So basically went into but creatively I fell into you, acting. you fell into basically. acting but yeah. you creatively you were always into music though I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I it, like, I kind of, you know, um, as a kid, yes, as a teenager, sort of, in college, and you know, finance, not really, because you didn't have, I didn't have time, and just kind of was was your jam guitar? Was your jam piano? What, what was mostly your... guitar? Guitar. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I started off as I started off as 
in piano. My mom is a piano teacher. Uh, um, you know, and then I played cello for a little bit because you know my mom thought it would be a cool idea. That's so not Asian. Yeah. No, <laughs> and it was and it was one you of my regrets because like I you know I. Uh, Cello's an awesome instrument. Dude, cello's so dope. And I, and I, I played don't, it, I don't I played hate on kid. any Asian I played kid as a kid cello, for yeah. like, I think, three or four years in a youth orchestra. And to this day, I kind of regret not keeping up with it. We all, it's such listen, not, not picking up Arabic. You know, like, yeah, the yeah, li- yeah, we, yeah. we can always, we can, yeah, the laundry yeah. list of regrets are... It's okay. You are Jetly's voiceover. So you I mean, are Jetly's voiceover. Come yeah. on, you're doing pretty good on some you, other things. You um, just had a really awesome film yeah. premiere. I mean, so like yeah, anyway, we're so, doing, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that a lot of that stuff just kind of like I backed into it. So like acting, I backed into it, um, and then uh, fast forward to filmmaking and writing. I mean, same thing. It's like I didn't really do much. I did some writing in Vancouver. You know, like I, I would write little shorts that other people would shoot or direct but nothing nothing really kind of serious and it wasn't only until i moved to la um a few when years. was that oh sorry go ahead. yeah so like 2008 right before obama's election actually oh wow and During so the financial recession yeah 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 yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect time yes and uh and it was a few years later um I, you know it was i got together with another actor friend of mine we were in a short together actually that we were shooting right around when obama was getting it like you know, at that time. Oh, wow, okay. And so like, we got together and we're like, oh, let's work together again. Let's find some projects to work together. And then I wrote this little short, which ended up being the, the zombie martial arts, the mm-hmm. fortune cookie fortune magic. Fortune cookie magic, you can see it in the clip below. And, uh, and, and so I wrote it and then he acted in it. And, we're, and he's like, okay, you're gonna be the lead actor. And I wrote it and it's like, who's gonna direct it? And he, De- it was Derek. Uh, he said, well, Derek why don't you, Leo, right? yeah. yeah, and he said, why don't you direct him? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> I didn't think of anything of it. I didn't know any, you know, I didn't know any better. And, um, and so that's kind of how it started. And like, you know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and through that process, I realized, hey, you know, this is actually uh, quite fun is probably not the right word, but like fulfilling, fulfilling sounds kind of hoity toity, but like fun. Satisfying, I, yeah. Like yeah. it felt really kind of satisfying in a way that acting, you know, it's just different. Like so, I always found like acting is kind of like acting is kind of like it's very visceral. It's like it's the funnest job I think you could have in any part of the business. Like it's the filmmaking, entertainment business. Yeah, okay. acting I think is by far the funnest job. But I think like for for me personally, I found directing and writing to be satisfying in a way that mm. acting because it's like. You're using a different part of yourself, um, and uh, I don't know if it's an ownership, but like you just—it's yeah, satisfying is the right word. I think ownership yeah. makes sense because I mean, I think as actors, we're, and especially in this day and age with content creation, right? There used to be this whole feeling of waiting for that one actor yeah. or yeah. I mean, that one writer, producer, director to champions to create content that we fitted, and now as actors, I think a lot of us don't want to wait for that because yeah, you're really yeah. you're at the mercy of someone yeah. understanding who you are, what you can do versus hey. You know who you are and what you can produce. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was really, you know, um, and I wasn't even at that time. I, you know, like most, like most. I don't want to say most, but like with many actors, you know, I was directing and writing with the idea that oh, maybe I can write and direct my something that I'll be in myself. It was is yeah. a way to kind like of a like Stallone pulling. Yeah, to yeah. further my acting career somehow, and then quickly realize that, you know, for me personally, I could not act in my own. Like it's just I found it way too difficult to be able to 
to navigate that and and then decided really you know I'm just gonna separate those two things because it's yeah, really yeah. I just found it very way too difficult and, and there's very few people um, in this world that can do both at the same time and even if they do I, I think there's like a you know the cinematographer or a, a uh, a producer that kind of helps carry the directing a little bit. Yeah, and when, I yeah. and I do think even with the most high like high profile people out there that have done both directing and acting in the same movie. Yeah. Almost to the person, they would have been better served if they did, took only one of those two roles. Okay. You know, I think it's very rare where you go, "Oh wow, like that that project was so much better just because, you know, the director and actor were you know on the same pro like they were both the director and the actor you know i think it's it's almost always like they did a you know a good enough job to be able to be in the front of the screen roles. both roles yeah but rarely is it you know um uh the sum is greater than the or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts uh, that makes sense that you know what i mean sense. like yeah, yeah yeah and and i found for me it was just very uncomfortable and very disorienting to go from in front of the camera and then all it, all of a sudden to the back especially if it's like a, a pretty meaty role yeah, yeah um yeah. and then i just found myself like i just really liked it and um and then the acting thing just kind of you know it's just it's unpredictable and okay um, you know i think i had a moment there in in la where it was a couple years where like i was getting seen quite a bit and then for acting. just about every single yeah like during pilot well when there was pilot season but like I think I got into almost every single show to be seen for something. Wow. So I knew I was like I was on people's radar yeah, for yeah, that yeah. very short period, and then it just suddenly like dropped off. And I'm like, I think I've had my, <laughs> I think I've had my shot. Not you at know? all. You still got uh, a lot of time. But yeah. like, it, it just felt like okay, well, if this is kind of the cycle, then I need to yeah. find some other way to, to sustain, to keep you know, um, motivated, inspired, or you know, yeah. sustained somehow. And then I just continued to, to, to write and. I'm, I'm sorry, I just yeah. want to ask, like, during that time period, especially as an actor, uh, did you feel like you were being seen for a lot of things that were specifically Asian or just like as an actor? Did you see yourself as an actor or did you feel like people were seeing you as an actor versus people seeing you as like Alex Chu fitting in an Asian role? I, I was at a time when it was, that was shifting. So, mm -hmm. like, um, even in Vancouver, I could see it starting to shift. So, like, I, I was in, that was 04 to 08. And so at that time it was, you know, it was starting to shift, mm -hmm. right? Where there was, it wasn't just Asian roles. I was starting yeah. to get seen for, you know, the quote unquote all ethnicities role, but it was still written in a way where it's written as a white person, yeah. but they're, you know, they were going to see all people of all different backgrounds. And then in LA, I started to see that shift more and more towards like they were writing roles specifically for, you know, Asian Americans, yeah. Asian characters. Or roles that were like, okay, we, we don't know exactly, but we know it's definitely not a white dude. It's going to be a person of color that's going to play this particular key role, you know? Mm. Um, and so, I, for example, was, um, remember that show, the, the uh, Don't Call the Bitch in Apartment 23? Oh, yeah, the, 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 the B and, yeah, I, I know what yeah, you mean. The, wait, wait, the, the Dan, G you know this one? I mean, I never saw yeah, it, but I know what you're talking with about. The, with Ritter. Yeah, the, the, uh, what's her Ritter. name? Ritter, Jane, not Jane Ritter. Uh, Kristen, Kristen Ritter's Ritter. uh, show. And okay. so uh, the role that I actually auditioned for was what? Uh, um, who's the the half African American? The, the the guy who ended up getting it. Um, Dan would know. Dan, do you know? No, I'm DB. I watched that show, but I don't remember yeah, who that. I just remember James Vanderbeek and Christian Ritter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It, the script was hilarious. One of the funniest pilot scripts I've ever read. Yeah. At that time, and 
Um, but anyways, the the other the, the one of the main characters, one of the series leads, was written. They I remember the breakdown. It said something to the effect that you know we're only seeing you know uh, uh, ma- you know men of color, either you know African American, Asian American, Hispanic, blah blah blah. Okay. And they were very very specific about that. Like they I, I remember it's like bold types, like no like. They might have just said no white people, you know. <laughs> and so I started to see that kind of shift, you know. And then, you know, over time, that you know, that's gotten better. Maybe not as fast as we'd like, but you know, it, it's getting better. Um, I mean, they're trying. I mean, it's like, like a ten-year span too. Yeah, it's, so. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. as far as like growing up Asian in Canada, was there any issues there at all, or like, it were you ever different. aware of your race? Of course. Tiger and I have talked yeah. at length about this. And um, yes, yeah. So I think I mean the difference in Canada versus the U.S. is Alberta is the tech. tech I mean, we keep saying tech. No, so I mean, no, but it's it is. I mean, <laughs> the, the difference is is like, did we experience racism? Did I experience racism in Canada? Yes, and I think you you could talk to an Asian Australian. Or oh yeah, and they'll, they'll say the same. But the I one lived in Australia crazy. for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like you know New Zealand. Like you know I can't speak for Michelle, but yeah, you know yeah. like where she grew up in New Zealand, but. Right. Uh, the differences in America, unlike other countries, is the racial politics in America is so much more heightened. Huh. Like we don't we don't talk about it's not such a political hot button in Canada like it is because I think partly is because of the history. Like, you know, in Canada, in Australia, in the UK, um, we don't they don't have the legacy of slavery. Yeah. They don't have the legacy of um, the uh, the exclusion act. You know, the Chinese, Asian, exclusion, yeah, Chinese exclusion. They don't have that kind of, they don't have the same kind of racial dynamics, or basically the just to be blunt, the institutional racism that America has that's embedded in America. Huh. And so because of that, it's not quite as uh, explosive of an issue. So is there racism? Yes, but it doesn't it doesn't blow up in the same way as it does here in the U.S. Like here, people just see much more. Um, Outspoken is not the right word, but divided or like just you know uh, polarized about the issue as opposed to in Canada. Like it's it's harder to t- it's more explosive and more touchy to talk about race and racism in America in some ways as opposed to Canada. It's like oh yeah you know like it's partly I think because of the history. Yeah, you know? sorry, Tiger. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna say. I mean, I think that's an interesting point. I'd love to hear what you guys have to think about yeah. this. But I've always kind of had a small theory about why that kind of is, especially when we talk about different countries, because you look at other nations, like China, for example, right? Um, it's a mostly homogeneous yep. country. And other, na- like Australia, like they're diverse and they have, but like Australia has a lot of white people, a lot of Australians. Yep. England has a lot of white people. And yeah. then when they include minorities, um, people of color, I think the interesting experiment is that it's a majority now having to understand how to assimilate a minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for whatever reason, you would, I, at least I think, that you would think that that would be probably much more difficult, but I think there's more of an understanding because like you have this majority that's clearly saying, hey, we're all the guys here, but we gotta somehow figure out how you guys fit in. We'll, t- we'll be patient about it. And I'm not saying it's perfect, I'm not saying other countries no, are better no. or worse, but I think what's always tricky about America, and like you were saying, like how it's heightened is that we're all technically, based on how our country was founded, what our you know constitution says is that we should all equal like nobody's better than anybody else and there's nobody who has should have a leg up on anyone else but based clearly, on race yeah, yeah but clearly yeah. we you know no, and, and, yeah. and a lot of that is based on the black white issue like the fact is is that I mean for Canada even compared to the UK or Australia is that Canada is such a young country yeah. so even the white people there 
are recent immigrants, right? You know, white people mm. don't go back to the Mayflower like they do here. Yeah. Like most most white people in Canada that are, you know, when white people are still the majority in Canada, you know, there may be one or two generations removed from the old country. Mm. You know, so or for France example, or, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for yeah. example, in Alberta, the you know the white people there are primarily uh, either German or Ukrainian, and if they're Ukrainian, oh. they're almost like. Oh, their grand, you know, their their grand their grandparents speak Ukrainian. They came yeah. from the old country, so like mm. there is a very much like it's not it's like so everybody's an immigrant. So yeah. there is right. less of that issue, and then also the fact that in America, unlike other Western European countries, America had slavery. Yeah, it had, yeah. and then from there it had de it had segregation was written into the laws of the books. And then there was indentured Chinese indentured yeah. servants. So yeah, like, yeah. You, and so like the Exclusion Act, it was like racism was racism was written into the laws into the law, yeah. of America in a way that it wasn't in other countries, and that creates the political. Well, and, of, and I'd also say because, you know, because of that, you know, and you look at other nations, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to speak for their history of minorities, Asian or not, but like in the United States, I think that creates that crab mentality of there are a lot of things. Asian exclusion, that's probably the biggest one that most people talk about. They don't talk about India, uh, Singh versus the US, about even finding out what it means to be White. Uh, an Aryan, when that was an Indian person arguing yeah. that. You know, right, like, all right. these Caucasian, yeah, yeah, yeah. these are landmark cases in the United States for not just Asian rights, civil rights. Yeah. But because of that, I think that's what's always difficult. It's like, we, I think all minorities in America, be it fair and be it sometimes not fair, we always hit this mark of like, I want to, like as an Asian person, I'm not just here to support my rights as an Asian, yeah, yeah. as a Chinese, as a whatever. I'm here to support my rights as a human. Yeah. And that means that if you know there's somebody in the African American community, I want to support that their injustice. Uh, spent lot lot Latinos, you know, yeah. anything like even in Chinese, like there's always going to be a divide of like, oh well, Chinese people feel this way. It's different from the Filipino community, from the Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's so difficult here is that even though we're so supportive of each other, there's always a kind of a rubber meets the road where yeah. then they start feeling, well, how supportive can we be where it attracts from what I what I am? And and yeah. I think that starts making that crowd mentality where one goes up, then we pull them down, and it's, it's horrible. You know? which, it's, which is a fallacy to begin exactly, with. Because exactly. basically, it's saying that the that we have to play into the the corrupt structure that exactly. is currently yeah. exists yeah, yeah, where, yeah. where white is on top, and we have to appease the white, uh, the white heterosexual uh, male. Well, there's an American yeah, standard yeah. of what we consider yeah, yeah, yeah. the best, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's a fallacy. And also, it's it's also a form of, a, uh, it's also a prison for white heterosexual male as well yeah, because yeah. they ne might not necessarily yeah. want that kind of pressure yeah. or responsibility as well. Yeah. And a lot um, of that, again, I mean, at least you know, in Canada, and I'm sure other you know European countries, it's you still have those cultural touchstones or elements but the difference is, is they didn't have it so embedded into the legal yeah. system in a way that makes it much more mm. even more um, uh, ex not extreme but like just it's just it, more embedded you know as opposed yeah. to it being sort of just like, like a, a cultural thing it's like it's a right. legal thing and so, even if the legal thing goes away a lot of the the byproducts of that still stay right <laughs> Thank you for listening to Yin and Young, the podcast with uh, writer-director Alex Chu. That was part one of our conversation. Go ahead and listen to part two on our conversation, which will also be on the podcast player of your choice. Uh, and thank you. And oh yeah, be sure to subscribe to us. on uh, We're on Facebook. The full episodes are on YouTube as well. And uh, also, uh, yeah, if you can, leave us a review or a uh, you know, five-star review on iTunes. That would be awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.